I've never seen anything like that. In your life have you seen anything like that? Stop keeping score after the six hole. Like it's you know it's not. That's been most of my most of my rounds until like I actually start playing like regular again. That's what it is. Up, I get through two holes and it's like, yep, this is going to be another practice round. (laughs) (laughs) Practice round, baby. Doesn't take long. All right, I want to welcome everybody to the first initial episode of the Poor Golfers Podcast, where we. Our poor golfers, uh, we're we're poor broadcasters, we're we're poor listeners, we're poor people. Well, at least I'm poor. I don't know. I don't know about this guy over here, but I'm riding a struggle bus big time. Uh, but this the podcast here is this. We're just gonna simply, you know, we love the game of golf. We play the game of golf. We both suck at the game of golf, but it's a passion of ours, and we're just. We, we just enjoy every aspect of it. And what the purpose of the podcast is, this is going to be for everybody is that it's like golf talk for like regular people. We're not good. We're not expert analysis. We're not going to break down all the, the algorithm. We're not, you know, bracing the shambo type people where we're going to break down the algorithms for everything. Um, it's just real talk, you know, lighthearted fun. You know, we want everybody to have a good time tonight. And whenever you tune into this, you know, we hope we give you a little bit of laughs. You know, at least we're going to laugh at each other. So if anything else, we got that. Um, but my name's Dan. Um, I've been, you know, I, I, I grew up a little bit in a, in a golf family with sorts. Like that was kind of like our, our thing that we did as a family. My dad played, my grandfather played, my brother Tim, who's here co-hosting me. He also played and we still play together. Um, so it was just like a real family bonding experience. And I stepped away from it for a while just because, you know, life gets in the way. But, you know, the last year with the pandemic going on, things like that, um, it gave me the time. I wasn't able to do a whole lot with being quarantined and stuff. So it really gave me the time to kind of recommit to golf and, and get back out there and play again, even though it was completely awful. Like, you know, like the first score you get, it's like, you know, a 118 or something like that it's nothing to be proud of but for for not playing golf for like 15 years i you know slowly and surely you're getting better but you know i've really learned to appreciate and enjoy the game again and you know i'm happy to be here and hopefully this will even inspire me to enjoy the game even more uh and we're, we're just happy to bring this to you and you know tim you might have a different perspective on this but uh just just tell me what what golf means to you and what you're hoping this podcast is going to be. Golf is a constant frustration. It uh, deeply upsets me in many visceral ways. No, I, it, honestly, golf is uh, it's like um, it's, it's tough to explain exactly uh, what it means to me uh, and why I enjoy it. I think most golfers kind of feel that way. They don't really understand why they enjoy a game that makes them so incredibly angry all the time. But uh, I think it has something to do with um, kind of requiring all of your attention on one thing for a period of time, which is kind of tough to do in these days. Uh, a lot of people are always doing a lot of things at uh, any given point in time. Multitasking, I think, is what it's called, but it's more like failing to multitask. So golf requires you to be 100% concentrated on one thing at the time, and it's kind of nice to do that. 
Uh, I like how it's kind of a combination of like a, it's a physical game. So it requires some level of physicality, but it's a finesse game. So there's kind of so much happening at the point in time when you're hitting a ball. Uh, there's so many ways it can go wrong that it's kind of amazing that it ever goes right. Uh, it's nice when it does. Uh, so, and it just, it's a game that uh, you play against yourself. So it's, you know, it's as hard or as easy as you want it to be. Uh, if you want to go out there and have like a, you know, you want to play like by the rules. Uh, I, I know there is a rule book. I'm not familiar with it, but essentially, you know, you, you can do that uh, or you can go out there and just shoot the shit, have fun with your friends and knock a ball around and just swing as hard as you can. And that's fun too. So it's kind of like a, it's a flexible game. Uh, and you know, some, somehow it keeps drawing me back in week after week, even though, uh, like days, days today happen, days like today happen. And, uh, you know what I think? I think one of the rules that we don't follow very well is there's no such thing as a free drop. Um, oh, there's not. <laughs> okay, tell. Okay, well, tell Bryson. You know, it's like that. try the Bryson Shambo that Dan. Yeah, <laughs> he lives on free drops. Oh yeah, it's like it was like you know six and a half inches from a sprinkler head free drop. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's a drop. You got to drop. Yeah, I love it. They get out. They get always, of course, they get out their driver to, to measure everything. I mean, I'm not going to fault them for using their driver. I would too, but. It's just like it's amazing watching golf. Like I thought I understood the rules of golf, but then I watch it on TV and they're always moving the ball around. I'm like, all right, I do that too. Sort of, I do it further, but you know, <laughs> I'm not a professional. <laughs> yeah, we're we're not getting paid, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to to compete either. No, so. I'm paying hundreds of dollars to get angry. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a great business. It's like you ever seen Monty Python where they have the 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 uh, they they pay to have arguments. And uh, they go, one guy's in, and they're just screaming in his face. And he's like, hey, I came here. I paid for an argument. Oh, this is abuse. That's what golf is. Like, you walk in, you pay for abuse. <laughs> I know, but we keep coming back. We keep coming back. Yeah, it's, that's it. It's got some sort of magical allure to it. You know what I think? I think kind of what you said, it's just like, it's the, it's the ultimate challenge to yourself. Because it's like, you can't, you can't blame anybody else. You can't, you know, it's, it's completely on you. Good. So. I mean, I'd you, love to blame someone else. I mean, you could pull a pull a bitch move and like complain I'm not about. Sergio. <laughs> blame no, like, someone else for my problems. So one of the times, one of the times I played last year, I was like, there was like a dog, like four dogs barking like crazy in the yard next to the course, and I literally wanted to blame them for like every bad shot I hit on that hole because. So blame the dogs, Dan. Blame the dogs. If you want to hurt dogs out, <laughs> I need to let the damn dogs in so I can play my freaking holes. What they need to I do. Know. <laughs> I know. Oh yeah. Um, but you know we're gonna we're gonna cover a lot of different things here in the podcast. One thing that I wanted to, you know, obviously we're recording like not long after the Players Championship just uh just wrapped up and. You know, there, there's a lot of a lot of interesting storylines that came out of that game. Um, the one thing that I found fascinating was, you know, we're, we we talk so much about the Shambo and how he's revolutionizing the game, but then you here have 47 year old Lee Westwood. Who, I love it. He, he's the same age I am. Playing playing an old school game and not only like hanging tough with him, he actually beat him like on a one to you know one to one head on matchup today. So it's like, what do you like? Yeah. What do you think about this 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 hype about changing the game and how it's revolutionizing the game when 
when you look at the real scores of the actual tournaments, it's not, you're not seeing the correlation. No, I mean, there's been a lot of long hitters in the history of the game and like golf courses themselves have evolved over time. So the idea that like uh, the Shambo is kind of changing the game because he hits the ball further, like on average, first of all, like on average, he hits it a little bit further. So he's hitting the ball like on average 10 yards further, 15 yards further than the other long drivers in the game. So he's hitting it a little further. Is it giving him that big of an advantage? No, not for the most part. I think the times that he's won in tournaments were because he was putting really well and he's what he was hitting his wedges really well. And like, you can make the argument that the driver like gives you the opportunity to, to hit the wedges, but it also takes those opportunities away because if you're not hitting the driver perfectly straight, you're going to be in no man's land and not in good shape. So it really, you're going to be hitting recovery shots. So like, is he changing the game now? I don't really think he's changing the game. People have been hitting the ball long for a long time. And also, I mean, you know, there's, there's other guys who aren't remotely close to the size of Bryson DeChambeau who are hitting the ball almost as far as DeChambeau, like Justin Thomas, today's winner, uh, who weighs 160 pounds, like soaking wet. And, you know, no one's like, Justin Thomas is, is changing the game out there, you know, being so skinny, hitting the ball far. <laughs> well, you mean, you know, it's like with, with Bryson, it's like they talk about his driver. Um, and this round today, like with the exception of the bizarre where he topped the ball and it went like 50 yards into the water. Oh, I missed um, that. Oh, how did you? That's it was just, like deeply disappointing that I missed that. <laughs> it was like it was like the most relatable thing to like real golfers like I've ever seen. Like you a little bit of you open up and and say like, okay, he's not so bad. Yeah, it was like you know that like Leo DiCaprio meme where he's like pointing at the screen. <laughs> that was like every real golfer yeah. was like feeling that moment like, yes, that's us. Uh huh. But um, if you look, if you actually watch how he played today, it's he wasn't making the putts, and then ultimately that's why he didn't, you know, score as well. He, like yesterday, I mean, he was draining putts all over the place. So as much hype as the driver's getting, it's like people don't talk enough about how much his putting is is really helping his score more than his actual driving. Because like you said. Yeah. It's, He's only yeah, driving right. like 20 yards more than everybody else. Well, so, yeah. So if on average you're 20 yards further, what, you're maybe a club or two shorter. So I'm, I'm hitting a wedge in where I might be hitting an, a nine iron in, you know. So nine irons are still very controllable irons and eight irons. And professionals know how to hit nine irons and eight irons versus instead of hitting a pitching wedge or a sand wedge. So, yes, it's a, sm it's a slight advantage that you might be hitting a, a slightly like a more lofted club that you might be able to control like very – it's, you know, slightly better, but it's, he wins when he's putting really well. And you can't take away anything away from the guy. Like he's a, a excellent golfer and he's, he has a great like short game, but like changing the game now. Like, I think, honestly, I think he'd probably win more often if he hadn't gone down this, this like rabbit hole of distance chasing. I don't think he really changed the game. I think he just changed himself. Cause you look at him, like he did gain a lot of yardage and ball speed and stuff from his personal transformation. But like you said, it's like, you know, Justin Thomas is like, you like buck 60, like soaking wet. He's hitting at 300 plus yards. Yeah. You Rory McIlroy, who's like five foot eight. Yeah. It, it, you know, that should be the storyline, right? It's like, look at this tiny person who managed to hit the ball that far. Not like, look at this 230 pound guy out there swinging like hell. Who managed to hit the ball far? Like, well, no shit, he hit the ball far. He weighs 230 pounds and he swung his ass off. Bruh. Like, look at the economy of motion of, of like a tiny person, like uh, like the, like Rory or like JT, 
and say, well, that's actually impressive, you know? Yeah. I mean, the one thing that I love about the game of golf is that it's so personalized. Like you can win on the course so many different ways. And it's like cool to see like people of such different, you know, physical statures and and talent levels kind of all coming together and being able to basically play the same game. But like I said, it's just, it's, my problem's not like I have issues with Bryson just because of some of his sound bites. I see a red ant right here. He he's had had this trait the last couple of days where it's like when he hits a bad shot, he blames it on the course. He always blames it on the course or on yeah. the clubs or on a rules official. Yeah, it's like he, if he would have just owned up to himself and say, like, you know what, my bad, I messed that up. Mm-hmm. You know, I played like shit today or whatever. Dan Bryson doesn't mess things up. <laughs> the world messes up around him, but he doesn't that's mess up. It's according to my calculations. Yeah, it's right like, here. One point twenty-one gigawatts. Oh, gosh. I've been so careless. <laughs> <laughs> my my main problem with Bryson is the the hype surrounding him and the yeah. the media outlets like hyping him up and pushing the storyline further. It's like they're they're the ones that are doing as much if not more, you know, damage to this than, than him himself. Yeah, I think he's just like, you know, can I, do I blame him? He's just like riding the wave. Like he's found a niche where he can make some extra money from sponsors. And, you know, every golfer, no matter whether you're like just starting out or you've been playing for 50 years, everyone loves seeing a ball get hit real hard. It's like the universal truth in golf. Like there's lots of like nice shots you'll see, but nobody's going to like see someone smash a ball and not go, Oh, that's cool. Like, Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, deep down inside. You feel it deep down inside your gut. <laughs> yeah. It's just, just <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Right before Mace Windu goes out the window. And, yeah. Uh, so it's like, uh, yeah. So there, so he's just like, you know, he's finding a way to make some extra money. And then like, of course the media just latches onto it because they need something to, to talk about. Um, so they just keep hyping it and hyping it. But it's like all day today I hear about Bryson, but like, like I think this story is well, one JT like the stellar round he had, but then Lee Westwood is just like Lee Westwood is the one that I thought had the most impressive, is the most impressive person out there because he's 47 and he's still just like, playing like a great game i know like to me that's like more impressive it's like because what he was second last week and he's second this week too yeah i yeah, mean he, like he, in the mix he made that like incredible birdie putt on 18 to to get into sole second place and i saw somebody tweeted said that putt was worth like five hundred thousand dollars to him yeah it was, uh, <laughs> it was you know what my favorite part about that was is that it was worth five hundred thousand of bryson's dollars <laughs> so he like reached into his pocket and was like, Whoop, thank you. Took it out and put it in his pocket with that one putt. Sarah like heard me going up. So I was like, I was more excited when I Lee Westwood sunk that putt than when I was with the JT one, even though I like wanted JT to win. Yeah, I, I mean like, he's suck it to Shambo. He's just he's just such a cool dude and has like you could tell he's older because like I know my experience, the older I get, the more like you just stuff just like doesn't bother you as much and you just appreciate it more yeah. like he like he's got his fiance is like is his caddy yeah and she's not like out there like measuring distances or you know i think there was even a shot of um where he was like raking his own trap after he hit a shot <laughs> so it's just like you know he, he's just having her like obviously she's bringing him some good mojo 
because yeah. I, I apparently he's that's when he started winning again and then i heard um just before we start this is that he's gonna have his son caddy for him on the masters so oh that's really cool you know it's just it's a it's a good storyline yeah <laughs> <laughs> junior <laughs> but i don't see how like he's like a guy that you can't really hate you know what i mean Sarah thought that he was married to uh, Jessica Simpson because he looks just like Jessica Simpson's husband. It's like, is that the guy married to Jessica Simpson? I was like, maybe. Is that Jessica Simpson caddying for him? I can't tell. I don't know. <laughs> um, ex- except if uh, Nick Lachey was British. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that who it is, Nick Lachey. I'm uh, woefully ignorant of almost you, everything. Like, you don't know the whole 98 degrees and uh, Jessica and Nick Lachey reality marriage no, I, I think I, I think i treasure my ignorance on the subject <laughs> i think you treasure your ignorance on a lot of stuff I on a lot to... of subjects that's very true that's why i knew nothing of pop culture well, i think you might have to get brushed up a little bit if you're gonna help contribute to this because maybe i guess so i know yeah. I, i'm up i'm up to speed on golf pop culture so i figure i've got an advantage there what is even golf pop culture these days um uh, Basically, like uh, pop, golf, pop culture might be uh, just the commentators that surround it mostly and then what's going on with the players themselves. So the popular culture surrounding golf, professional golf, <laughs> I suppose. Just, yeah. That just comes from watching golf like four days a week, every week. Yeah, and listen, I'm too listen cheap. To Nick Faldo. Sir Nick Faldo. Sir Nick Faldo. Sarah, Sarah says he's the handsomest man in golf. I got to watch out. <laughs> you got competition yeah she's like is he like from a soap opera she didn't know who he is is he from a soap opera i'm like he's a professional golfer he's very good he was he won several majors yeah he looks like he <laughs> should, he looks like he was in a soap opera like he that kind of does i guess i see that he just has that suave charm to him huh? he does yeah the, the, <laughs> the, the head of hair except when he's not grumpy when he's commentating but you know i know he, 17 was his favorite hole of probably the whole year just because he got to be extra like extra like like picking apart people who dropped the ball in the water oh dear no that's not what you wanted like, oh fuck you Nick Faldo <laughs> just, <laughs> oh dear exactly oh, dear. I think, you know I'm I think surprised that's Nick Faldo doesn't get cornered in the parking lot outside I would you know it's like and we you talked before about um bringing Phil Nicholson into the booth um I just remember the two of them paired together and Phil trying to drop dirty jokes and it was like going right over Nick's head. <laughs> <laughs> going right over that beautiful head of hair. <laughs> uh, I'm going to look at Nick Faldo a whole different way. A whole I'm different like, way? You're just going to see him as a soap opera star. Now. Yeah, like, I know. Yeah, what's he doing commenting on golf? He should be a soap opera star. I know. I should see him on ABC at 1 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> You're watching a lot of soap operas, huh, Dan? No, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I did when I went to college back in the day because I had like, well, that's a whole nother story. Um, but yeah, I think just to wrap up the whole Bryson thing, because I don't want to be one of those, I don't want to fall in the trap of us talking about him the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we'll talk about him more, but the only thing I'll say about this is like, regardless of what positive or negative he's bringing to the game, he's bringing attention in the game and is drawing yeah. fans. And so that that's a win for everybody. So, you know, it's like we, we sit here and we, we, you know, critique the drama and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, the, 
golf is probably winning a little bit from it. So we'll we'll continue to say what we had to say about it, but you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna harp on it. I hope you're right, Dan. I hope you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying we won't that you know, he if he keeps feeding material, then you can't he, help oh, it. you know he's gonna feed material. Yeah. Up here, especially ants. But, um, I see a red ant right here. Your, uh, I'm stepping right on it. What's your thoughts on, on JT's performance? Not just today, but like yesterday too, because he literally like skyrocketed. Like he barely made the cut and then he like went off yesterday and then he went on a run again today to yeah. seemingly, seemingly to grab the, the, the win from from Lee and uh and Bryson. It's like a story for me. It's like it's like perseverance, but it's perseverance not only from like this tournament, but it's going back like like several tournaments because it's a kind of been like a progression where he was like really bad, like he for a while he was performing really poorly, and I feel like he's he's gotten a little bit better, gotten a little bit better, like he's had like on both ways, and then finally in this tournament, you know, like you said, he didn't start off strong, like he's just outside, but then he had like this this incredible day yesterday, and then kept it going. So, like, to me, like, you know, they, they say the word, like, grinder a lot. Like, that, that comes up a lot in golf. Like, oh, they're just grinding it. They're grinding it out, which is, like, a, like a byword for perseverance. So, for me, like, it was it, – his his performance was all about, like, overcoming, like, the funk, which, which every golfer, regardless of your skill level, knows what a funk is. And, like, you know, people lose their minds trying to get out of funks. But, like, the only way to do it is to keep, like, try and keep some type of positive attitude and going out there and keep doing it again and doing it again and doing it again until it happens. And that's, like, what happened for JT this weekend is that he just kept going out there and, until he made it happen. And then it, it was just kept happening. So it was, like, his back nine was incredible today. Yeah, I mean, he's not – there's no gimmicks with him. It's not like he's doing one thing. Like, although I will say with him, it's, like, Right now, I think he's probably hitting the irons more pure than anybody I see on tour. It's just oh, yeah. it's it's like poetry in motion when you see like I, I I've told you I think he has the best iron swing in golf right now. Yeah, even better than people talk a lot about Colin Morikawa and like his iron play, but I think JT's even better. Yeah, I mean it's especially like with the one thing you said yesterday about the you know hitting that five iron and like basically stopping it. On the on that it, green on that par five is it dropped like on the front like it was like it, like he hit a wedge in like I've never seen like I mean I can hit a good five iron sometimes but like I've never had one drop and just like stop like that like with any kind of like spin like it was just like feather feather soft at landing on the green and rolling up there that was that was that was pretty to look at I mean that might even be the shot of the whole tournament mm-hmm. that and the eagle he made today I think were the the two shots that really like put him up on the top. Oh yeah, no doubt. All right, um, I'm gonna be chopping this up. So, chop it up. They'll be pausing a little bit. I'm not even sure how long we've been running yet. It was eight twenty-two, uh, maybe like half hour. Yeah, that's. It goes probably pretty quick. It does. Um, I do want to talk about one more thing. If I can get my stupid phone to work. Uh, I'm so bad about this phone. I'm like, takes me forever to figure stuff out. Uh, you just you're talking to someone who just had to restart their computer to get Zoom to work. <laughs> so I don't think I'm in a position to judge you. <laughs> yeah. How do you um? Well, how do you how are you feeling about this so far? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, I mean for, for for the yeah, I appreciate you're here and you're 
you're you're helping uh helping me in my little my little project I'm trying to do. Yeah. But I think so far it's going pretty good. Um I feel like we need to talk more about the the players. Do you think is there anything else you want to talk about with the players championship other than than what we talked about already? Um, we could talk about the 17th hole and how all the, the players are, are babies and they complain about it. <laughs> well, I don't know what happened, but it was literally the first day that they were all rolling off the green. Like every other day, they would, you didn't see that happening nearly as much. I don't know if players adjusted or... They adjusted their game. I mean, I think I, I knew they got out there in the morning and spritzed it with a little bit of extra water. But I mean, it's like a new surface, so it's not really going to hold water anyway. But like they adjusted their game, which is what they should have done like right away once they saw that. So like, if I'm teeing off with a guy and I watch him hop it into the water off the the green, I'm gonna say, oh, uh, maybe I should change my game. But they come in. I think they come in there with a the mindset about how they want to execute. Like you know, they get hyper focused on how they want to execute and, and don't think about maybe changing their game on the fly. But you know, I heard how many people did you hear complain about the 17th green? I'm like, oh, suck it up. You guys are pros. <laughs> yeah. Good. Don't 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 blame the golf course because you hop it in the water. What um, why don't we we'll wrap up maybe talking about the course a little bit and maybe how we feel about if we played it, mm. our personal feelings on it. Um, and what's what's the next tournament coming up? I don't even know. <laughs> That's a good one. I think I, I've just been hearing so much about the players that I haven't even thought about the next one coming up. Well, I mean, obviously the, the Masters is coming up, but I don't know what's coming up between now and the Masters. <sighs> I, it's like I'm, I feel like I'm going to know it as soon as I see it. Oh, the Honda Classic, yeah. Yeah, but is anybody going to play it? I imagine DJ will be out there. Uh, actually, you know, these guys in their FedEx points runs, I think, you know, I can see JT out there doing it again. I think the FedEx Cup, that's like a benefit of the FedEx Cup. Is that it, it like um, for the, all those guys, especially when it's tight up at the top, it gets people to play maybe more tournaments than they might otherwise play because was it fourteen million dollars if you win the FedEx Cup or something absurd? It's a pretty good yeah, motivation. Um, so I don't know if there's anything we need to to kind of talk about leading up to the Honda Classic. I see the um, world, you know, WGC is the week after that match play oh is it really yeah that's always that's always a big all those wgc events are always big events yeah um and then there's a couple throwaways until the masters like the poncatano resort and club championship and the bauro texas open nope (laughs) the texas open reminds wasn't that like the Texas Open, uh, like one of the first, like earlier recorded, like um, they did like that special, like in the '60s, where it was like uh, I think I'm not sure if Arnold Palmer was in it, but it was like um, I think it was Arnold Palmer, and I think Jack Nicholson did one where like it was like Shell Gasoline or did like Shell Gasoline sponsored like a golf a golf coverage series where they were covering tournaments, and oh, they was- were I think it was Texas. That was like a that was like a match play, wasn't it? I think I think I showed you. I think I shared video of that with you. And that's what I'm thinking of. It was it was Nicholas and uh, Palmer. Yeah, that's right. Maybe I'm I'm completely misremembering. 
No, I was the thing I showed you. I think it was um, it was Nicholas and Sam Sneed. Yeah, it was, it was, was Sam Sneed. Yeah, but I don't know if it was that. I don't know if we're talking about something completely different or not. Yeah, yeah. Um, besides that, those two those tournaments are like I have no I have no comment. <laughs> <laughs> so let's um let's talk a little bit about the TPC Sawgrass, the course. You want to talk about the Seventeenth Green, and then um. You know what? I honestly don't know enough about who's going to be playing next week, so I don't want to really go into it. Okay, calm down. Uh, I have no idea. Yeah, I I spent so much time like researching how to make this all work that it's like <laughs> now now that I think I might have this working, then I can focus more on actual content. You know, the the real stuff. The real stuff. <laughs> um, how would you feel if you were playing TPC Sawgrass under these conditions? Uh, well, first of all, the, the, there's enough water in there to make me intimidated, you know, just let alone happen to just look at that 17th green. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm skipping it off of there, but I'm not just landing it right in the water as it is. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> how, how do you feel your chances are with, with the 17th? Uh, well, if it's rolled like it was like, you know, for tournament play, like, uh, I knew that I, 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 my wedges at that distance are very good, like, 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 uh, act like straight wise. So I know I can hit it straight at the green. Uh, but if it's like holding firm like that, like, I don't know that it's actually going to stay on the green. Uh, I'd have to drop it in from like really high. So I have like, uh, I have like a 50, 50 confidence that I could stick the green on the first shot. <laughs> that, that's as good as it's going to get. <laughs> well, I mean, when you see like, um, on Thursday where all the pros were like, rolling it off the green it's like and like you said there there was some concerns about that mm-hmm. from the players it's like if they're having that much trouble and adjusting to it it's like how do real regular people who have handy high handicaps you know yeah like and that? what do they do they cry yeah. they cry a lot <laughs> that lake is probably just filled with tears they don't probably have to put water into it uh, <laughs> You know, it was kind of like the the the, the pin position was like you know, the first day or two was like it was kind of diabolical, like on Thursday because they they like they purposely put it at the back of the green so that people would be flying it into it and like testing the surface. So it was like you really should have been la- laying it up in the front of the green and like putting from down there and, and trying to get down into, or maybe hoping you could like land in the front of the green and get it to release just up to the hole. But everyone else who was like trying to throw it at the pin at the back, like that green did not hold it at the back at all. And those are the ones that hopped into the green, into the water. They're pretty much all like landing mid green, hopping into the water. So it was like, it was like landed on like a trampoline in the middle of the green. <laughs> so that I was like, I kind of wish they kept that pin position, but I, I you know, players hopefully have adjusted their games that, you know, you can't keep the same pin position because they're all going to adjust to it. But I thought that was the hardest pin position of the tournament. I was waiting today, like the way they had the pin, pin position going down, down slope like that. Mm-hmm. I was waiting for someone to, to hit it too far and it roll right into the water. I don't know if that oh, actually boy. happened with anybody, but mm-hmm. it, I think it got close a couple times. There were some putts that there, I watched uh, some putts that almost rolled off the green into the, that's like, to me, that's like the most defensive kind of green where you can putt into a hazard because like you should, like once you're on the green, you're supposed to feel like some sense of safety. Like, ah I, ah, I made it. I don't have to worry about all that other stuff anymore. But if you can, like, still putt the ball into the water, like, you're never safe. There's no safety. Like, <laughs> how, 
how much um the un, at the pro level in their mindset, how much do you think they're when they come up to that that hole and they're planning it out? How much do you think they're they're planning on pin position or is it playing the safety where they don't have to worry about it? You know, either rolling off the green or, or missing the green entirely. You know, it, it, it all depends on the player and their risk their risk uh, preferences. So, like, you know, Phil's always going to try and go for it. But, like, you're going to see lots of other players that are much more methodical about, like, well, hmm. not, no, I'm not saying Phil's not methodical, but Phil definitely has, like, a risk, a taste for risk. Yeah. So I think, like, I think most of them, you know, they, they've had a chance, like, on in the practice round. So they've this is another thing why they shouldn't complain about the 17th because they've already played it in the practice rounds. So they know what the green is like, but you know, I think, you know, maybe half the players are going to be conscientious of just landing on the, on the green. Like it's gotten into their heads and they're thinking about it. And then maybe like another third will be, will be thinking about where they want to land, like stick it on the green and safe and stuff. And then maybe like the remaining will be the guys that are just going for it no matter what. So I think it gets into at least like half of their minds where they're actually like, they got, they got the yips at some level, you know, maybe not the full on yips, but they've got like mini yips where they're <laughs> just like, they're starting to like, they got a flop sweat when they walk up to the 17th. Well, I'm sure like, especially on Thursday when they saw so many balls rolling into the water, there has to be a sigh of relief when their ball sticks. But like I said, I didn't, I didn't notice that as much on the weekend as I did on like Thursday. It just seemed like it was like, I think they said there was like 20 some balls that like went in the water yeah. and, and who was the guy that got like, who put four balls in the water and the, Kevin not. Oh my God. Also, I never felt so bad. I never felt so bad for like another human being when I watched it. And, and like, he, like the first one went in, like his face was just like, like you could, you could tell like he was like, like the fuse was going and like getting shorter and shorter. I was like, Kevin, I was going to throw his entire bag into the water. Kevin, I was going to throw his caddy into the water. I was like, he's gonna, he's gonna go out. He's just gonna lose it. And then he finally stuck one up there, and then it, it, he bounced off the back, and then he chipped in, of course. Yeah, but it was funny because, like, I think I saw something on Twitter. Uh, I think PGA Tour posted or something where it was like, who knows what this looks like? And then he was writing the comments below, and he's like, this guy. I'm like, at least, <laughs> at least he has a sense of humor about it. You know, it's like I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad he's laughing about it now because at the time I was like, I was like, wow, this is like it was like falling down moment. Like I thought he was gonna really like just completely lose his shit. <laughs> now if it was, was like, like Kirk Douglas. <laughs> now if it was like John Rom or, or or someone like that, I mean, Rom might have just launched himself into the water at that point. <laughs> yeah. He would have cool... his shirt off and then like just done a like a belly flop into the water. <laughs> I, I call it rom rage rom rage <laughs> or was it the rom rage it's crazy it, it, do you remember um in friends the one episode where ross said he gets real mad he calls himself red ross well apply no, it to I, apply it to red rob do you think of how many like <laughs> That's Rob all I can think of is like when he... <laughs> Red, Red Rob, Rob, Red Rob. Red Rob. <laughs> I think it's a sound bite right there, but yeah, yeah, the Red Rom. <laughs> Why is it like? It's like when when players are struggling like that, it makes for such compelling TV. Is it maybe because like it's like some of of our frustrations with golf? We, we feel that when we see pro golfers going for it and you're like, yeah, yeah, no, no, you know, you know how it feels like you're not, 
you're not shooting 20 under par and making this look like a, you know, a miniature golf course. Yeah, it is. It's like, it's like cathartic a little bit. And it's like, because like professional golfers are like, in some ways, like their game is so polished that it looks like there's the illusion that they're in ultimate, like total control of everything that happens with the golf ball. And like, I think, part, I think it played like, you know, you gotta have like a certain attitude to be out there playing on the PGA tour too, where you're like, I'm number one, kind of like you're real, you're real high on yourself. So you got to have that positive mental attitude and, and, and like confidence in yourself to do it. And like the combination of those two things, the polish and the confidence kind of like makes you want to, want to see them fail every once in a while. And when they do, it's like, oh yeah, that's right. You're human. That, that's <laughs> you're just, just like me. <laughs> that's why the U S open. is like the most entertaining, like I look like, I think as far as like scenery and everything else, I think the masters is as good as it gets as far as oh, a major, yeah. But like for sheer like entertainment value, for for sheer entertainment value, the op the U.S. Open is like, it's just like, it's just fun to watch because it they make those conditions so brutal that it's like these golfers like they they lose their mind. Yeah, it's great. I mean, that's I don't want to see them suffer per se, but like when I go, you know, there's a whole debate like do do like golf do, do golf viewers like the, the viewing public of golf do they want to see like ultra low scores like do they want to see players like face the toughest conditions and struggle like for me personally i want to see them struggle because like i don't go out there and watch nba and they play on like an eight like an eight foot hoop or something like that where they're just kind of like putting the ball in you know you could see like 200 point games that way like i want to see i want to go out there and see it be difficult for them i want to see like their their skill level like come through and like their like perseverance under adversity. So like I don't I don't want to see a thirty under like result. I'd rather see like a six under result that someone really like struggled like hell to get. Yeah, I mean like I think you know just to kind of wrap up the players championship. That's that's kind of like the perfect perfect tournament you want to watch because there's there's great scoring, but there's there was a lot of mistakes made today too. And you know, that's of course, it punishes mistakes. Yeah, but you can't you know, hit a mistake. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like, you know, it's you feel like when they get those scores, they really earned them, you know what I mean? It's not a cakewalk. Yeah. Yeah, with well, the course of like that much water and it's not only the water, it's just like it's the it's like the positioning of like trees. That like, you know, there's a real sadistic bastard design that that course who is just like loves loves watching people like ride in pain on the golf course, but like just where the water's positioned, uh the, where the sand traps are, like where the trees are, like I'm watching them tee off from each like hole and hit in from each hole. And I'm looking like, where would I hit the ball? Like with my level of control. And like, I'm like, I don't know where I'd hit the ball. I'd, I'd probably <laughs> hit a lot of trees to be honest. There was a, I forget which hole it was. There's a one hole where I saw several players. They hit it from like the long trap on the side and like over like a bunch of trees and like landed it with like 10 feet of the hole. I'm like, there's mm-hmm. It's like you're hitting that blind. Like, I don't know how they pull those shots off. No. Trust yeah. trust in your game, I guess. Trust the game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's where you need that level of confidence, right? That, uh, yeah, I can do that. But, you know, for, for amateurs, there's always that little the little doubt that creeps into your mind, like mid-swing. <laughs> That's like every other swing for me. Every other swing. Like, when you're on your back swing and then, like, your brain's like, you can't do this. And like, shut up, brain. I'm trying to do something. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like whenever I play, like I always start off good, and then like maybe six holes in, I'll hit like two bad shots, 
And then I'm like toast for like the next four <laughs> holes. And I like I managed to make some kind of a you little get the red, bit of You get the red rum. Exactly. Red rum. Red it's like every time I like if I play 18 holes, if I make the turn, it's like I'm usually playing my worst golf at that point. And then slowly, like I think it's always like the last three holes I tend to like maybe it's like I don't give a crap at that time. So yeah, it's like, that's I'm exactly not, what it is. I'm not like, thinking about it as much. So it's like but it's funny. It's like clockwork. Like you reboot. Yeah, your brain reboots. Like because you don't care anymore. It's like your brain's like, and it reboots. And like, all right, we can do this again. Yeah. All, the, all like the cluttered, all the bad, all the negative thoughts have been like put in the trash can and then recycled. Yeah, it's it's funny how that works, and it's it's cool. I you know I guess it's good to end on a high note. Like you said, you landed on a birdie today, regardless of what you played the whole day at least you know you ended right like yeah it's probably the only thing i'll remember if you ask me a week from now how the how the, today's round was so i'll say it was windy and i hit a birdie on the last hole <laughs> yeah like the last time i played i played pretty i mean not better than i have but i stunk it up pretty bad but I, just that last hole where i got a you know a par which i don't know for my skill level a par is a win like fist pumping at the end we like ah! yeah i mean i, I <laughs> My my, my tiger. <laughs> yeah, like like literally like my tee shot, like I hit a perfect tee shot and it looked like it was a shot like a pro hit. I'm like, I've never literally done that before in my life. <laughs> so I just stood there and I'm like it's like I don't know if I could repeat it or not. And you know, I pro- I probably could have got a birdie of like Did I die? I was, yeah. <laughs> Did I have a I, stroke? <laughs> I was so I was so pumped up about that shot that it's like I didn't concentrate on my putting. So I just like I whiffed on the putt. I was I would have got a birdie, but at that point I didn't even care. <laughs> Whatever, I was so, man. I was just hung up on that one shot, and it's like, you know, to to maybe wrap this podcast up for today. That was like, I think that's why we play the game is for those moments. It's like for all the struggle. It's like, uh, yeah. No matter what your skill level is, when you like play a hole exactly like you wanted to play, it's like it makes everything else worth it. And then, you know, you might go out again and stink it up and never hit a shot like that again for another three months. But it, it's always those moments where you, you kind of live for and you're – that's why we love the game. Yeah, you said it. That's right. But, you know, that – plus, you know, I just like – I just like, you know, personally I like going out there and competing against myself and trying to make myself better. Sometimes I just like hitting the hell out of a ball. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the that's that's what the driving range is for, Tim, especially Tim Smash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So that that's you know that this podcast is going to be kind of like what you heard today. We're we're going to be talking about we'll be getting a lot of different topics, but you know it's we're just you know regular people just enjoying the game and like I don't want to say that too much because it just sounds like a stick. Yeah, <laughs> just regular people, just, just like regular, regular Americans. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, but um, we look forward to if you're checking us out for the first time, actually on Twitter at uh blah blah, poor golf at poor golf podcast, and um, yeah, we're gonna be uh. Hopefully you'll be getting this on Spotify, on iTunes, and all that fun stuff. But until the next time, look forward to you joining us again and, and hopefully sticking around and, you know, watching us grow and, and 
build something with this channel. Uh, until next time, we'll see you later. Bye.